Hi, welcome to God is Real, God is Good. This is Camus, and today I have Kyla's my pastor with us, Steve Rogers. I have known Steve for what, five, six years mm -hmm. now. Six years. And he was the one that actually baptized me about five years ago? 2015, yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, it's been that long. Um, so we have Steve here today with us, and so Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, where you're from? Well, I'm from Western Washington originally, and then we moved to the Spokane area, Cheney, in 2008. In 2014, I came to Orofino, and we love it here. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely enjoyed having you here. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about your religious background growing up? Well, um, I grew up uh, in a Christian home, and but I, I wasn't a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, grew up going to church and trying to keep God's law, but I was lost and dark feeling, empty feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's how my early years were spent. But then um, Jesus stepped into that darkness and turned on his light, and um, that's what I'll share is my journey, how that happened for me. Awesome. Please do. So, yeah, we came from uh, southwest Washington. I grew up out in the country um, and <clears throat> big family. Um, there was, my mom and dad had us five boys. Oh, wow. And I was the last. I don't know if you ever noticed in a big family house, it seems like the first child they're more strict with and just mm -hmm. everything has to be so-so. And then as you go further down, the last guy gets away with everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> My siblings were always complaining. You guys get away with so much more than we do. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it was for me. I was a little guy. And uh, at least until my brother just ahead of me, Kevin, developed a tumor on his head. And it was it was growing. He was probably, oh, I'm thinking five or six probably. Anyhow. Uh -huh. Maybe five or somewhere in there. And the tumor was growing bigger and bigger. And it began to push his ear out. And it was just, you know, not good. And so my <clears throat> parents were told, you're going to lose Kevin. And that somewhere in that process, they said, maybe you should think about having another child help you get through this. And so somewhere in there, you know, they talked about that. And had, well, if they had another child, maybe it would be another girl. Because they had one girl, and then, and then there's four boys. Oh, wow. And so... They did have another child, end up being twin boys. Oh my goodness! And then a surgery was benign. The surgery proved that the tumor was benign, and my brother Kevin's fine to this day. So there'd be seven of us, you know. So I lost my favorite position to the twins. Oh. <laughs> Anyhow, so yeah, there were seven of us, and like I said, we grew up. Um, in, I, I call it a semi-Christian home. We went to church fairly regularly and did all the things that Christians are supposed to do, so to speak. And but I I can't speak for the rest of them. I can only speak for myself, of course. But there was always an emptiness, um, discontent, dissatisfaction, um, no fulfillment. Always looking for that missing piece. And I think that's probably what everyone experiences at one time or another. There's something missing in my life. And so, when you don't really have a relationship with God, but you filled it with godly things, sometimes it's really frustrating. Mm -hmm. because then you end up not doing all the things you really want to do. <laughs> so it's frustrating. But at any mm -hmm. rate, so if you, if you don't have a true relationship with the Lord, then you fill it with something. And 
you know, we were in a Christian environment, so we didn't necessarily fill it with terrible things, but just things, you know? Yeah. And so we'd run after this or run after that. And it was, when I look back, that's what it was. I was trying to fill the emptiness. <clears throat> so that emptiness followed me throughout my early years and my teenage years. And we would, um, at those, at that time, um, we would go see my sister, Carolyn, who had a large family. Of course, she's a lot older than me, 14 years between us. And so oh she was uh, married, had went through school, become a nurse, and was living out of town, working and so forth. And we would go, <clears throat> I remember summer breaks from school or winter break, we might go to her, their place and spend time with them. And that was always a lot of fun for us kids. But on the weekends, then we'd all go to church with them. And I, as I evaluated that, it was pretty much the same thing we were doing back home. Mm -hmm. But I could sense in her there was something real. It was not just a form like I was going through. There was a, a, a realness to it. So she had a, something real going on with God, you know. And that's what I wanted in my life. But couldn't seem to find it. Couldn't, couldn't, um, I couldn't figure out how to get it in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think... You know, we each have different backgrounds, but I think that a lot of people can relate to that. You know, there's just an emptiness. I can't figure out how to fill it. Especially and, if, like, you grow up in the church because, like, you do all of the motions of faith. But you're like, so how do I make this more than just motions? Yes. Like, how do I make this experiential and, like, actually impactful? And I think there's a big segment of people that go through that very same thing. Yeah. And that's what I did. And so it was a lost feeling, frustrating feeling, and uh, it's just an empty feeling. As a matter of fact... So empty. I remember being about 10 years of old, 10 years old, laying in bed one night crying, thinking that if the Lord comes now, I'm lost. Mm -hmm. Even though I was doing pretty much all the right things, I knew I was lost, even at a young age. So, what my sister had, though, is what I wanted. I, I felt like she had something real. Mm -hmm. And so, but that emptiness carried with me then on in my teenage years. And then came the phone call that would change my life forever. I was, uh, let's see, I was 15 years old, and we were sitting around the kitchen table. We had just finished eating dinner, and the phone rang. And my mom went over to, the, it was on the wall at that time, and she went over to answer the phone, and, and right away we could tell there was, something was wrong. It was bad news. And so when she got off, it was a hospital calling, on behalf of my sister. And it's like, well, she's a nurse, but she wasn't working there. What's going on? Well, she was in the hospital. Something had gone wrong, and she was there, and they were doing tests, and they said, we, we suspect a tumor. Mm. I still remember that terrible feeling that comes over a person when, you know, crisis like that hits. <clears throat> Anyhow, um, more testing proved it was a tumor. And uh, hers wasn't like my brother's. It was cancerous, mm. caught late stage. Oh. So it didn't look good. And so eventually she had to move back to the area where we were. So we kind of helped with her. And she went through treatments. And that was a torturous thing. It did buy her some time. But she had moved in on the acreage at my grandma's home. My grandma still was alive at that time. And so the family could care for her. But I remember the last time I seen Carolyn alive, it was um, in the fall of 1978. We, 
us kids, uh, myself, a brother and a friend, were heading to the woods on motorcycles, and she was at this time having trouble getting oxygen. And so uh, they, I remember we was outside the motorcycles, and I seen them helping her out of my grandma's house into my grandma's Dodge Dart. They were taking her to a Portland, Oregon hospital to try to see if they could do anything. And <clears throat> it wasn't too long after getting down there that the the call came from the hospital and said, hey, Carolyn's slipping away. The family needs to come down. So we made plans to go down, and, and that December, it was December now, and I remember it was icy out and cold, and the family had planned to make that trip. I was 15 um, years old. Yeah, 15 years old, I think, at the time. And I just couldn't do it. I, could, I didn't want to face it. I didn't want to... Um, see her that way, didn't want to remember her in that way, and so I come up with some phony excuse why I couldn't go. Everybody mm-hmm. knew it was phony, because I used, I think I said I had schoolwork to do. <laughs> <laughs> if I get out of schoolwork, I would have. So. <laughs> Anyhow, they knew. But they all went down that night, and I was home alone then, mm-hmm. that night, to think about all these things. But that's when the Lord turned on the light in my life. And that's when I began my real journey with the Lord. I should say, I had made a decision for Christ maybe two years prior, Mm -hmm. and the only way I can explain, it was a real decision for the Lord, but it was like a seed was planted, a seed of faith was planted in my heart that just kind of lay dormant for a little bit until now. Then it's begun to germinate and grow. That's how I explain it. So I remember I was pacing around the home that night thinking, you know, I'm never going to see my sister again because I... um, didn't go, and you remember I'm empty. I have no hope of eternal life, so I have no hope of eternity. I remember thinking those thoughts. I remember crying, looking out the window into the dark there at the kitchen. But that's when I made what I call my covenant with the Lord. I just told the Lord at that point, I said, I'm at the point in my life, I was true only 15, but I was at the point in my life where I said, I'm ready to get serious with you, God. And it was kind of just a basic little covenant but he heard it and he honored it. Mm. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to seriously try to find out what, um, what God's all about, what you're all about, what the church is all about, what the Bible's all about. That was my covenant with the Lord. I'm serious. I'm going to do this. Well, um, shortly thereafter, my sister passed away and we went through that terrible valley. But through it all, I did keep that covenant with the Lord. He heard it and he honored it. And I began to go to my room and I um, I would just um, pray and open my Bible and just start trying to read and study and understand. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was determined I was going to do something. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I'm a record keeper. <laughs> if you see any of my papers and things, they're full of notes and scribbles because I, I don't want to forget stuff. I Write it down because I might need it. I might use it, you know. And But I didn't write this down, and I wish I would have because I don't know how long it was, a couple days, maybe three days of just seriously. Now, I was serious, right? I was mm-hmm. at the bottom. I was crisis. I was serious. I began to seriously pray, seeking my God. And I opened up the Bible, and I began to seriously spend quality time trying to connect And it was not more than a couple, two or three days of that. All of a sudden, I I had went into that room, dark, empty, um, with no purpose in my life, no future. 
And after about three days of doing that, I came out. I came out with a peace. And I came out with um, assurance and purpose in my life that nothing else could give me. Mm. And it was just, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. And that's um, where I really found my Lord and where um, this journey with the Lord really took off. At that time in my life, I concluded that church doesn't save us. Mm. Denominations do not save us. What saves us is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And for me, that came right out of the Word of God, the Bible. And there's a verse that I quote uh, that speaks to my own journey. It's 1 Peter 1.23. It says, We're born again by the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. And that text speaks to me, because that's how I found my Lord. In prayer and in searching the Scripture, He came to me and gave me New life, born again, the Bible says, or a new creature. Mm -hmm. But there's another verse that also speaks to me. And it, um, it says, it's in Psalms 107, verse 20. It says, he sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And so I also concluded at that time in my life that the Bible is not just some old book of history or fairy tale or, you know, it, there is a power in that book. I mean, if it's what we believe it is, then the power between the two covers of that book called the world into existence, created this place and us. And when we expose our mind to it, he creates in us a new life as well. Mm -hmm. And so I love that text. He sent forth his word and healed them. And that's what he did for me. So... Yeah, I found the Bible to be the almighty, all-powerful word of the living God that is our connection with heaven, with the Lord, you know. It reminds me of that verse that talks about how my word will not return back unto me void. It's, yeah, yeah, you could apply that verse in that way, too. I, mm -hmm. I like that. Like Because, like, from my own personal experience, like, I was reading the Bible, because like, I grew up in the church, that's what you do. And, like... Even though, like, it wasn't, like, serious or deep, like, I was just reading it for, like, that temporal knowledge because I'm like, oh, I'm this smart kid. I want to know everything that I can. Like, even still just reading it, but, like, even with not good desires or good intentions, like, God still, like, spoke to me, like, through Ecclesiastes. And, you know, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it does. When you're reading it with intent, it can really change you. But even if you're just, like, casually reading it, mm -hmm. you can, like, see those deep nuggets of truth. Like, you don't fully understand them but you start to like catch this glimpse of this god who wrote this book to you and it's definitely I, very powerful. i've read testimonies to that effect you know people trying to prove um the bible wrong mm -hmm. and had become converted in the process because they experienced god in the way they hadn't hadn't known before you mm -hmm. know so i believe it i believe there's power in the bible you know there is another book out there that they claim has power and that is, they call it the book of Satan, the Satanic Bible. Mm -hmm. Well, I wouldn't doubt that there is a power in that. Yeah. And if you were to take one of those into your home and crack it open and begin to read, you would probably see some supernatural things taking place. Not good things, but supernatural okay. things. Well, that book has no power in comparison to the Bible, mm -hmm. the word of a living God. What's going to happen if I take that into my home and crack that open and expose my mind to that? 
Yeah. You're going to see miraculous good things taking place in your life. Most importantly, um, new life and a relationship with, with the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's how the Lord came into my life. And I think that's how it happens. That how That's how it has to happen for all of us. We have to connect with Him. And those are the ways we connect through prayer and the reading of His Word, study of the Bible. So I recommend that to anyone. If, if people you know, are listening and saying, well, how can I have it? I recommend the Word of God. That's how you get it. Mm-hmm. Go into the Bible. I'm so thankful that we have our Bibles today. Amen. I mean, it, it could have been obliterated you know, years ago, but God kept it for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we are fortunate to have it. So I recommend to everyone listening, give yourself to prayer and the study of the Bible. And it'll make all the difference in the world. Born again through the Word of God. Amen. So true. So, Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you went from there after your conversion? Well, I continued this um, serious Bible study. I mm-hmm. mean, committing serious time each day in the study of the Bible. And as I did, I just a natural desire began to come into me to share what I was learning. But I didn't know who or how or where. Yeah. Well, God had God had that all worked out, because it wasn't too long until my uncle called and asked, "Would you go with me on a Bible study?" To it was a place called Deer Island, and so I said, "Sure, I'll go with you." He just needed somebody to go with him to sit with him, pray, you know, or whatever, and just mm-hmm. listen. And I remember we we went down there, and um, boy, that's been what forty. Over 40 years ago now. I still remember the names. The Palmers. (laughs) Anyhow. So we went down there and he did the study. And um, that was was neat. Be able to sit in and listen to a Bible study being given and stuff. And questions and all that kind of stuff. And that that was like a little seed planted in my heart. And I had that desire to do that myself. And so I began to continue studying on my own. And writing stuff down. And and I began to see these little... um, well, for lack of a better term, just my own personal Bible studies begin to develop mm-hmm. on paper. And then it wasn't long till I received an invitation to take a Bible study uh, over from my uncle, who was given this Bible study, and apparently he didn't have enough time, and so he asked me if I would take it. And, and so I did. And one of those very first Bible studies, though, um, I remember myself and a friend from church went on this Bible study, and he wanted me to lead it. <clears throat> well, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. So we went down there, and um, I remember sitting down at the table, and after a little talking and a little prayer, I opened up my Bible, and I had this list of texts. Mm-hmm. And it was a really, you know, hardcore subject we were covering <laughs> right off the bat. And I went through text after text after proof text after proof text with this poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it, you know it's kind of humorous now, but you know I I'm, I feel bad for him yeah, because just... that was my first Bible study with him and my last Bible study with him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just information overload. Yeah, yeah, it was totally the wrong way to do it. <laughs> I've since learned. You see, when when I grew up, when you went maybe on a Bible study or to an evangelistic meeting or something. Sometimes things kind of got backwards, uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
And we have so much stuff to share with folks, but many times it was almost like they were anxious to share the truth about the beast of Revelation. Mm-hmm. But if they ever got around to sharing about Jesus, well, that was okay if they did or didn't. You know, it's like, wow, totally backwards. Yeah. Since then, I've come to the firm conclusion, what good will it do me to introduce people to the beast if I haven't first introduced them to the lamb? Isn't that right? That's true. So that's been my focus ever since. You know, all these truths of God's word are vitally important, mm-hmm. but not without a relationship with Jesus. They mean nothing. They're mm-hmm. just a burden then, you know? And so I learned, also, you know, from that first Bible study, <laughs> the right way, the wrong way. And, and uh, I just pray for the poor guy that we <laughs> experimented on. <laughs> Anyhow, that led to continued uh, opportunities to share God's word. And then God helped me to develop a series of Bible studies called Preparing for Christ's Return that are relational, that deal with the relational aspect before you ever get into the, some of the more the truths, the deeper truths of God's Word that are all vital, but in their proper order. Mm-hmm. And I worked at a machine shop during those years and through the 80s, and then the Lord opened a door into ministry after that. And I began to be able to do it first half-time, uh, given Bible studies in the community, then full-time, and then that led to overseeing uh, the, this type of outreach to pastoral ministry. So here I am today. So, you know, some people will say, well, I love the Lord, but I don't have anything I can do. Mm-hmm. How would I know what I can do? How do you know what God wants for me to do or has for me to do? There again, I tell people, commit yourself to Him in prayer and the study of His Word. And I believe He will lead you to mm-hmm. what He wants you to do. Because everybody has their own personal gifts and passions and abilities and so forth. And, and we don't want to all be the same because, I mean... We, when we all get together as a, as a body in, of Christ with these different abilities, then then we can reach anybody that comes around, you know, mm-hmm. that is open to the Christ. And so, God will lead us, I believe, through prayer and His Holy Spirit and through the power of His Word into um, the calling He has for each one of us mm-hmm. and how He wants us to be His servants. And it's definitely not all the same. Like, some people are called to do obvious things like Bible work. But, like, mm-hmm. my mom, like, the thing she always says is she always loves little kids. And she just loves to, like, take in the kids or the children from the community and just, like, be with them and be their friend. And, like, just be, like, that good adult, like, that mm-hmm. Christian example. Because, like, that's what really spoke to her as a child and, like, helped bring her to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it can be, like, something as simple as just being, like, that kind lady that's a Christian that you're like, oh, she is different than all of the other Christians that aren't different. Right. Are. right. Exactly. And and I think that is vital, and I think that should be recognized. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm thinking of another individual. He just does so much for, for God's church. He's always there <clears throat> fixing this and doing that. <clears throat> you may not think of that as evangelism, but it is. Mm-hmm. You know, because... If it wasn't for him, there would be no water at church today. There would be no this or that, you know. Um, it's a, all a part of ministry. Mm-hmm. Those who, I always tell the people who do the fellowship meals, that's ministry. We can get together and fellowship and, and talk about God and be together. I mean, that's that's another part of ministry. So I, I truly believe that. Everybody has their own uh, uh, giftedness that God has uh, given to us that is necessary 
to use. And when, and when you do use it, you find it all comes back to you and building you and lifting you up and drawing you closer to the Lord yourself. Because mm-hmm. like by being that example or being out there and sharing that truth, like it's a reminder to you, like sharing your story, like your testimony and brings it to the forefront, like the things that God's done for you and how he's worked in your life. So it's like building the faith of others, but also building your own faith and like right. firming up those foundations. Right. And when people, when people find out that you know the Lord, then they want to know what God's Word has to say about mm-hmm. a relationship with the Lord. It's natural that way. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, thank you, Steve, for coming and sharing your story. You're sure welcome. I'm glad to do it. Definitely appreciated. You had some good things to say. Get into our Bibles, you know, learn to find the ways that we can share through the study and prayer. Definitely, like, pretty basic things, but very important. Like, the relationship with Jesus, like, that's the foundation that everything else is built off. Yep. So, can't get any better than that. Well, thanks so much for having me. Do you mind if I pray with you before you go? Wonderful. Dear Father in Heaven, thank you for Steve coming and for sharing his story about just serious prayer and studying your word and how you can find us through those simplest things and how you can grow us in our faith and in our ministry through that. And just thank you for allowing him to share. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alrighty. See you all next week.